0: This episode is sponsored by how to talk to your kids about alcohol. This is the most important course I've ever offered. The conversation about alcohol can be deep and difficult, and it can be a hard one to have with your kids. But this course transforms how you talk to your kids, your parenting, your journey, and it can help you create a relationship with your kids that's built on trust and respect and authenticity. In just a few hours, you'll learn how to talk to your kids about alcohol and most importantly, how to keep them talking. How to talk to your kids about alcohol teaches you the biggest mistakes to avoid when it comes to your children and drinking, how to create relationships that are based on mutual trust, mutual respect, and openness, and what I wish I would have known as a kid before my first drink, and so much more. Please don't wait. Go to talktoyourkidsaboutalcohol.com to learn more and enroll. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm here with Kyle. Hi, Kyle.
1: Hello, Annie. Excited um, to be here. Yeah. That of yours, obviously.
0: Oh, I'm so excited to have you. Thank you so much for joining. So um, yeah, why don't you kind of take us take us way back sort of to the beginning? Um, I think your your start from what I understand from your story is very much like mine, like not a huge drinker at first, actually.
1: Yeah, not at all. Uh, you know, first drink was typical high school party. Had some Budweiser's with friends, Nothing, uh, nothing out of the ordinary. So high school and college athletes so not a big, not a big drinker at all. You know, occasionally high school, college parties, but I wasn't the guy, you know, where we get drunk tonight. Definitely was not my thing. Um, so yeah, then even uh into adulthood, I had a little bit bout of depression my senior year of college. And when I graduated, I started smoking marijuana and that seemed very helpful and that was kind of my my thing for my most of my adult life you know occasional drink at a family party or a party but not you know like I said not a not a huge drinker uh so yeah fast forward uh, a couple years ago say four or five years ago professionally I got a what I thought was my dream job going pretty well for six weeks and out of the blue, I got fired and I won't get into details, but it was absurd that I got fired and just shocking. And it was basically over miscommunication. So very traumatic. Um, So I kind of made a abrupt decision to up and move out to Portland, Maine, out uh, near Scott. Exactly. Uh, we have a family place on an island out there, it's, you know, my favorite place in, in the world. Always kind of thought about it, so said, what the heck, let's do it. So moved out there, um, you know, long story short, whatever could have gone wrong, went wrong. And the job I went out there for was a night job, and I found myself very antsy, I, I would say, during the day. and just for whatever reason, the first time I tried to relax and ease my anxiety with vodka. And uh, it worked at first and take the edge off. I hate that term, but uh, initially it did, which was uh, great until it wasn't. So a lot lot of things happen out there. Like I said, I don't wanna, we could do a whole uh, 45 minutes on that, but long story short, it didn't work out. And I'm just like, all right, let me regroup, go back uh, home to New Jersey and start fresh. So I did that. So I hadn't uh, you know hadn't crossed that invisible visible threshold yet, but uh, it was becoming a bit of an issue. Um, so yeah, I moved back, had a job I was not very happy at. So in that time, I was sharing an office with a older woman who was not very nice, let's just say that. It's a lot of stress and anxiety over that. And that's when, for whatever reason, one morning I decided I was gonna have a drink before work because I was just really antsy about how much I didn't like the job and wanted to leave, but I bounced around a little bit so I couldn't leave. I didn't feel like I could leave. And that's when the descent started. like I said, it kind of almost became a normal thing to just start the day with a drink to knock out my anxiety. And It's crazy thinking about it now, but that's that was the uh, logic, I guess, back then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I finally did find a, a new job in, in the golf business, which is what I was doing. And it led to a... General manager job, which where I'm at now, which where I'm happy. We had a great first year. You know, I was still kind of on the cusp of that invisible line, but didn't wasn't really admitting it was a problem. And we won an award for most improved facility. So thinking hey, everything's great, even though I kind of knew in the background something something's up here. Mm-hmm. Um, So then we'll fast forward to COVID where we actually had our company celebration in March, that first week of March down in Florida, where it was just kind of just becoming a joke. So get back from the celebration, put the bags down, start work at the golf course. Within a couple of weeks we're shut down. So furloughed for a couple of months and that's obviously There's no blame. Can't blame COVID, but I had crossed that invisible line just before COVID. So it didn't help.
0: Right. Right.
1: So it obviously got really bad then, you know, waking up every morning and A, watching the news, B, trying to get your unemployment situated. That's not working. Stimulus doesn't come. Just crazy stress and anxiety and what do you do when you're stressed and anxious and you're a drinker? Yeah. So it got a little worse then, with the kind of like drinking daily and throughout the day a little bit. Then we had about two days to prepare for reopening. You know, golf courses were the, one of the first businesses to reopen. And I wasn't expecting what ended up happening. It, the business absolutely exploded because you can naturally social distance. So it's all people could do and all they wanted to do. So it was just home for two months, drinking, doing nothing to absolute, you know, craziness every single day. So, (laughs) yeah, the descent uh, continued. Uh, But like I said, I was still holding down a job and, doing my thing. That fall, met a really great woman, ended up dating her for about a year, but she was also a drinker and not a problem drinker, I would say, but we would get together and drink. That's what we did. So like I said, wonderful woman, great relationship. But once I really got to the time where i knew i had to quit i actually ended up breaking it off with her because i didn't think i could do it while still dating her so that's what i did
0: and so what what had you you say i knew i needed to quit like what what prompted that or was it just this knowing that was sort of
1: it was a couple things uh, i think last august was a big one i for the first time ever i missed a day of work because i was you know, just too hungover to even think about going in. So yeah, then also I, I got heat stroke uh, that summer, uh, you know, worked the golf course. I was helping out outside hot day. I had obviously been drinking the day before. So I get heat stroke because I was obviously dehydrated and not drinking enough water and a hot day working outside. Mm-hmm. So a couple of days I end up in the ER and they're doing some tests of my heart. they Find a, a heart condition. And the, the cardiologist is explaining to me, like, you have a premature ventricular contraction and the blah, 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 which is wildly uncomfortable. It's basically just a skip beat, like a heart flutter, but it's very uncomfortable. She goes, So you really have to stay hydrated. And I, I remember saying to her, I said, oh, I, said I, was, I was actually really hoping you'd say, I have to stop drinking.
0: Mm.
1: And her reply was, No. Nah just, no. just stay hydrated. Now, she obviously didn't know the level I was drinking where it's almost impossible to stay hydrated if you're drinking a significant amount. Right. So, but that was a theme throughout her. I uh, said that to a lot of doctors, like I'm drinking too much and kind of got the, well, be careful, you know?
0: Yeah. So it's so fascinating, right? So fascinating.
1: Yeah. So that was around the time I said, okay, and something's got to stop. So I called a I called an outpatient rehab program, and this was shocking to me too. This was an outpatient program that offered three hours a night twice a week. I thought that was interesting, good place to start. So I called this place, and this this woman, after you know an hour conversation, tells me, you absolutely have to get in here tomorrow for a ten day detox. That's the only thing I can in good faith recommend. And I said, I, I'm I'd like to try this first and then maybe we can do that if this doesn't work. She said, nope, I can't do that. I said, okay, let me think about it. I'll call you tomorrow. Call her in the morning and say, I'm not interested. I'm going to find another route. And just, she went crazy. She started texting me like, these are all irrational fears, man. She called me man.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: Like, you have to get in here. These are irrational fears, this and that. I said, I'm at work, you know, we can talk about this later, but this is, this is like harassment. She goes, you asked me for help. This is not harassment. You called me. Was, oh, so that and wasn't was great. Was she
0: like a therapist or a salesperson or?
1: She know? was just an intake person. I don't know if she, maybe she gets a bigger commission. If I do a 10 day detox, I, I didn't understand it.
0: Wow. Interesting.
1: <laughs> so after that, I didn't go in there, but I I was damn sure was gonna do 10 days at least after that conversation.
0: <laughs> You're like I can do this myself, woman. Yeah. So I did.
1: I managed about 14 and then had a slip and
0: but in that you proved to yourself, like that's just so empowering. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, and I survived it. So
1: yeah, white knuckled the hell of it, but it's like okay, I can at least do that. That was like a good first, which I had done in the past, like oh, I'll try a 30 day challenge the year before. And, Like oh I made 24 days I'm good yeah but I'm not totally (laughs) so then I call another place same thing outpatient program and uh, this one seemed a little more in line and they were much more perceptive and or receptive of what I wanted to do and it was similar um, you know talk to a psychiatrist have a counselor supposed to have a you know group once a week which never ended up happening so the uh the psychiatrist i spoke to first time i spoke to her she said rehab too right i said i don't want to do rehab i want to try this first and then we can go from there So said okay so all she did said oh let's try Naltrexone trucks on let's let's put you on that should help with your cravings okay so this is november where I'd finally like start to put some days together. I have a quick, funny Naltrexone story. So obviously, you know, it's, there's a lot of a lot of discussion on Naltrexone on your uh, Facebook site. So yeah, obviously, Naltrexone is supposed to stop cravings, block the euphoric feeling. So I started to take it November first, and uh, and I wasn't drinking at the time. And we had Thanksgiving dinner and I you know, told my mother I wasn't drinking. She said, you know, great, good for you. But then I, and I was thinking <laughs> we were downstairs after dinner. For some reason, I just had the thought, well, how do I know it if it blocks the euphoric feeling? Like I haven't had a drink on it. So I walk upstairs and sneak, sneak over to my mom's cabinet, like take a few shots of vodka. Of course, she walks up the stairs as I'm doing. Just, I thought you were drinking. Like, I'm not. I'm just texting the little trucks off.
0: Trying
1: to explain that. And? Did it
0: block the feeling?
1: It did. It it just kind of made you feel a little off is all I can say. Yeah, just just off. But uh, so yeah, stayed on that for a little while. But yeah, then the the program, like I said, was going okay. I Had the every week meeting with the counselor, the psychiatrist, and the group. But the group never happened. So then I was getting ready for my first appointment in January. I said, oh, let me you know get them my new insurance information because our company had just gotten bought by a big uh, big firm. I said, oh, sorry, we don't accept that oh shoot okay and for some reason I wasn't all that disappointed I remember seeing something I wrote saying oh I had to leave the program today because they wanted $2,000 a month or something that was I felt just okay I remember writing and I have it said no big deal I'm like I actually kind of like this Annie Grace (laughs) I'm going to start her alcohol experiment tomorrow so see how that goes
0: Oh, awesome.
1: So yeah, I did that. And besides the getting drunk for science that you did, uh, you did uh, nothing since.
0: That's well, first of all, that's just amazing. Congratulations. But second of all, how was getting drunk for science? What was your experience with that? Like
1: it was enlightening. And one of the few people I do recommend doing that if you're in that, because I was like you still, i had a couple of months under my belt. I did it more because I read Alan Carr's book, obviously, and you know, all about the last drink, this and that. And it's like, I never did that. Mm. But then I saw your experiment, like, that's interesting. I'm like, so I did it. I it was the most eye-opening and powerful thing I did. I didn't record it, but I journaled throughout it. If you want to hear some of the horrific
0: <laughs> I'd love to do it if you have it at hand.
1: <laughs> I do. So like I said, it'd probably been two months. I had, had a little morning nagging cravings. I'm like, you know what, let's do. And then I saw your video on that day. I'm like, all right, let's do it. It was horrible. It was absolutely horrible. The last nine times I drank were all horrible, but this one in particular, because you're I literally locked myself in my room, just drank. And as the story goes, you know, the first 20 minutes were fine. Let's yeah, that I'm gonna actually try and enjoy it. Feeling okay, relaxed right now. So then I came home, and I, or I was home. I said, "All right, let's shut the door, turned off the TV, and it was just terrible. I mean, within the second drink, I had already kind of started sweating and feeling bad. Like it's almost like my body was rejecting it. But what was more kind of alarming is kind of where I went. Up and down in my my journaling, I literally went from, okay, I'm feeling good. If if I could not drink till the weekend, I can try to moderate. Fast forward an hour later, drinking sucks. No more trying to moderate. I can't do it. Commit to rehab or the path if you're going to keep drinking. And it got a little darker. I don't really want to go too into it. But I said, hey, I didn't enjoy it. Shocking. Fuck me. I have hiccups, sweats all night. I have to stop. <laughs> and I, I had already stopped, but a terrible headache after six Advil. Alcohol is the worst. Remember this terrible feeling. Headache after six Advil. You're eating crap at 1245 at night. Dehydrated, hiccups. Your heart is fluttering, and now you have night sweats.
0: <laughs>
1: mm. So, yeah, no, not much craving after that.
0: Gosh, it's so powerful. It's like, it's so fascinating because I rarely talk to somebody who actually does it, like get drunk for science. And and I'm a big fan of like, whatever you want. Like, no, I'm not, I'm never going to pressure somebody to go get drunk, right? That's like out of my whole integrity. And it was one of the most powerful things I'd ever done. But you you really have to wait those, you know, at least a few months, be far away from it. You really do have to do it when... You're by yourself. There's no distractions. It's fascinating because so many people will be like, "I tried that." You know, I I decided I was just gonna get drunk for science. We were out at out at the bar, and I just ordered a few. And I'm like, "No, you missed the point. <laughs> like, that's just drinking. That's not that's not trying to isolate the variable, right? Like, right. the variable is alcohol, to my experience. That's what I want to isolate, and I want to understand what my experience is like with or without it. And yeah, it was. I mean, and hopefully
1: you don't end up killing your dog.
0: Did that happen?
1: No, you said that in your video. Oh,
0: recently. oh, me when I was so mad at my dogs. Oh, I know. Yeah. I said I'd like
1: to kill my dog tonight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, they were alive. I mean, those dogs have since—they were very old even in that video. So they've—they've they've <laughs> since left, but—but but not because of my drinking. So that was natural causes. It is amazing how, after that, I mean, here we are eight years later, and I'm like, yeah, all I have to do is think of that moment, and there's no part of me that wants to drink anymore and yeah it's just so powerful but also very much commend people who like you know do what you want to do (laughs) no pressure but
1: that's if it weren't such a toxic poison I would do it once a month just to really you know pound it home
0: (laughs) remind yourself yeah like you know this really does suck Uh, I think it was in one of Alan Carr's books where he he would just smoke a pack of cigarettes every like six months or something. I think it might've been his book, but just to like remind himself of how terrible it was. And it was just so interesting just to be like, yep, no, this still sucks. It's still terrible. I still feel horrible. So it's just fascinating. Well, congratulations. What a cool story. Very, very cool.
1: So after that, it was, you know, started exercising and felt like March turned the corner. Then like March to June, I had like pretty much a pink cloud for those Old, you know three four months it was crazy in a good way I mean I, rem- I remember saying to my mom one night on the phone I said I don't I feel weird saying this but I'm experiencing joy for like the first time I, like maybe ever <laughs> and I have
0: oh, that's just amazing Kyle I just like love that story it makes so different.
1: drinking gave me sleep apnea too which is miserable and I had a follow-up with my a sleep doctor a couple months ago he's like you yeah, haven't been using your CPAP much I said no I mean I quit drinking and don't think I need it I think that's what caused everything he was yeah yeah probably it is a terrible poison
0: <laughs> like goes, why didn't you tell me this before
1: right thank you Ugh.
0: it is interesting though because I have to wonder like because when I, in my experience, if doctors are pushed on it, or if you say, I don't drink anymore, they're like, oh, that's great. I'm really glad about that. But they never will will say it. And I, I wonder if if they did at one point and people just left their practice and just moved on to find a different doctor that would give them lip service. And so they're nervous about it. Or that's I mean, it's also drinking, but I'm like, you know, An interesting theory. in care. And if, if we're not getting you know, I mean, I, if, if I would have been talking to my doctor about it when I was drinking heavily and they would have been needling me about it or trying to get me, I would have switched doctors hundred percent.
1: Really? Yeah. I remember saying I was drinking too much and feeling depressed with my primary and he just gave me a card for a psychiatrist who of course wasn't taking patients. So that was very helpful.
0: Yeah. I, I think that I would have, I mean, once I was Well, I don't know that I was ever ready to stop drinking. I think I just did all the research and I was like, oh, I'm, I think I'm done drinking, but I didn't, you know, there wasn't ever this like time where I was like, okay, I'm going to stop drinking. And so I, I wasn't looking for somebody to tell me to stop. So if they would have told me, you know, mentioned anything about my drinking or if I would have felt critical, um, like energy from them or as if they were accusing. Yeah. I think I would have switched doctors. You know, when you live in a city, there's lots of options.
1: That's got to be it.
0: So cool. So how have you, um, how has everything been going since, you know?
1: Great. Uh, I was best man of my brother's wedding a few months ago, which was a a blast. First wedding not ruined by drinking several years. Had a great time. Kind of connected with the maid of honor. We were Unfortunately, she lives in Florida, but we were talking about maybe trying to make that work, but it's, uh, it's a little too much right now. But I did, um, you know, had a great time. Speech was great. My brother cried. He hadn't cried in, I think, ever.
0: Oh, that's
1: amazing. <laughs> I did the gritty, to, you know what the gritty is uh-uh. when you come in. No, it's like, it's a dance move that the NFL players do. Oh, nice. Um, So I did that going in. I took Catherine Gray's suggestion about actually practicing my sober dance moves. So it went pretty well.
0: Oh, that's just, well, that's so cool.
1: And I did You like this. I did try to give him Dr. Sarno's book, Healing Back Pain, because he's had some horrible back injuries, broken vertebrae, uh, herniated discs. And I gave it to him. Unfortunately, he's not quite as open to it. He said, Oh, does he have herniated discs and broken vertebrae? Yeah. I said, No, but he's treated millions who have. And if you're open to it, he's like, Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Oh, it's hard. And it's interesting when you are open to stuff like that because I think I was really skeptical. And then I was, you know, obviously mind blown, totally changed my life. And then I was, like, huh, maybe this other stuff will work. And now it's like somebody can just be like, ooh, I'm going to heal your energy. And I'm going to be like, I feel amazing. And now I'm like, it's probably placebo, but I'm so like, willing to believe it that it's fine.
1: Whatever works.
0: Whatever works. Oh, great. Well, well, Kyle, let me ask you the question that I sort of finished these off with, which is if you were going to go back in time and talk to you know an earlier version of yourself who was um, struggling, what would you say to him?
1: Well... If you're giving me the ability to go back in time, then you're going to give me the ability to be a videographer. And what I would do is create a 15-minute video montage of a day in the life of drinking. So if I could physically see it, what I was doing, I'm pretty confident I would have stopped a lot earlier because it just felt like such an out-of-body thing to be going through, having not been a drinker my whole life. But I've thought about this too. A lot of the quit-lit books that I've read, I mean, it seems like you have to get to a certain level of suffering or despair to tap out and to, you know, do that 180 and to feel that, you know, that real euphoria you get in that pink cloud. Like, it seems like a lot of the books say, I feel like I had to get to that Mm-hmm. Whoa! not a rock bottom, but rock bottom is death, so. Right, right. But yeah, no, I just feel really lucky. I never got a DWI or hurt anybody or hurt myself. Life's good.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, I think that idea of, you know, whatever it is for somebody, really, that readiness for change, right? Like, you got to know it's all up to you that there's no one coming and that it's got to happen now. And you've got to be like willing. And I think so much of us is we spend so much time almost like waiting for our future selves to like, I'll fix this someday, just not today. Like we know we have it in us. We really do. There's a part of us that we know we have it in us to make, or I'm
1: I'm going to try, I'm going to to do this challenge. And then it seems like the common theme, everyone does a 30 day challenge and makes it three weeks and thinks they're okay.
0: Yeah. And it's like this, it's like this stamp of approval. Like, okay, I must not be broken. Then I approved it. Three whole weeks. I remember doing that with every pregnancy I had. Oh yeah. Well, look at that. I could not drink for nine months. Totally fine. And then my drinking each time. That's that's
1: another theory of mine that women have that glow because they just stop drinking.
0: Oh, that I like that theory. I bet there's a really true aspect to that. Well, if
1: 90, if 90% of the country drinks,
0: Right, like almost everybody is is drinking. Yeah, yeah so for sure.
1: That's that's a working theory.
0: That's that's cool, and I I do feel like yeah, I mean vanity wise, I certainly look better now than I did when I was drinking, and I that was eight years ago. I've aged eight years, and I look better. So as like,
1: well, yeah, they say yeah, you look amazing. By the way. Oh, thank you. Um,
0: yeah, teeth. Yeah, eyes. I have a little a little
1: celebrity crush on. <laughs> Well, they say you age five years in reverse. Your first year of quitting, which I oh. say is uh, accurate.
0: God, no more so sleep
1: apnea, no more uh, blood pressure, cholesterol problems, liver problems.
0: How is your heart?
1: Fine. If I don't drink, there's no flutter. I drink a ton of water, and it's almost never feel it.
0: That's incredible.
1: And it's uh, like you said, you save yourself, but you had a lot to do with it.
0: Oh, well, yes, you do save yourself, but thank, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Just awesome. Well, anything else you wanna share?
1: I don't think so. Um, when are you gonna start making my uh, mocktail bars?
0: Oh my gosh. So like for real, this is uncanny that you asked this question, All right. So this <laughs> is my, I, this came today Today we're recording this on um it's the 13th of September. And they are my three versions of um, I'm gonna do a powdered um euphoria. This one is Moscow Mule. And so that I because I always am drinking like the sparkling waters, and I was like, I just want something flavored to put in my sparkling waters or in my waters. This is a um a lemon toddy creamy lemon toddy sleep assist and then I have one that's a um, mango margarita that's like super lots of speed bumps that's um it's it's a liquid courage so like and it's all been researched with these yeah I've been working with this like her- herbalist to figure out nice. how to bring in things like ashwagandha and htp5 and gaba and stuff to create these really healthy natural sugar-free, you know, using things like natural sweeteners um, in order to, like, I just feel like if, if we could have something, and I don't know I'm going to name it yet, but like something in your pocket that you're just like, you feel prepared, it's in your pocket, uh, and working on one, that the, the formulation is much more difficult, but it's going to be on cravings, so because there are herbs that help suppress cravings and help you get through that first 30 days. Um, but yeah, just to kind of feel prepared. And I imagine packaging that is super cheeky, like, hey, psst, by the way, you're the only one here who's not gonna have a headache tomorrow, or you know, like you're gonna sleep through the night. All these people are waking up at 3 a.m. You know, just little things that help you feel like affirmed and like yeah. you're- and you'll get so the, the sleep kind,
1: <laughs> you'll get the sleep kind that won't disrupt your sleep and rob you of your REM sleep.
0: Yeah, exactly. So I've been I've been trying to work. I've worked with like a addictionologist and a doctor and a naturopath. And it's been a much longer process because I was like, this will be easy and this will be fun. And the first company I worked with, I got some versions and they just made me jittery and feel bad. I'm like, you just poured caffeine into. So I've this is my third, third company but I might be close, <laughs> we'll see. Or everybody and their mom will have a mocktail before this Naked Mind does, because that's what's happening. Like even Katy, Katy Perry has mocktails, so I don't know. I might be like late to the party, but that's all right too, whatever. Well, that's what
1: I said at the Naked Mind bar. Okay.
0: Well, one Locked of our coaches has, um, she started the first um, alcohol-free bar and bottle shop in the nation, and it's in Denver, here in Denver, and it's called Awake. And now there's quite a few of them, but yeah, it started there. And like, I mean, there's, it's, it's really cool what's happening. It's very different than, you know, the eight years ago that I was exploring this conversation, but it's just really cool. Um, it's amazing. But anyway, that was so ironic that you asked about that. It's super fun. I, I literally told no one I was doing this. This has been uh, awesome we, it's,
1: like, it's weird. I've always like been on the same page with you. i have just kind of Followed everything you do. I, I eliminated the word should, which I recommend to everyone. Awesome. I've rewritten several texted emails. I'm like, ah, Beth is gonna say should. What, what do I, how do I rephrase this?
0: Well, one of the coolest things about what you wrote in and we'll, um, I won't keep you too much longer, but how you said, all right, I'm gonna try the alcohol experiment. And then at the end of the alcohol experiment, we have this thing called non-negotiables, which means if I break this, then I'm going to and it doesn't have to mean like I have another drink, but it has to mean like, like my non negotiables were that I didn't blackout for instance so you know because I was trying to drink moderately but that didn't work as as we realize, um, but yours was if I if I can't do this, I'm going to join the path and you just haven't needed to. And I just think that's just the coolest thing. I'm like, what a great non-negotiable, especially because I wrote that before the path existed. So I had like, if you, if you break it, like talk to your doctor or put something in there that you have to put like skin in the game. And anyway, I just thought that was really cool. And congratulations. Thank you. And thank you so much. So cool. Well, thanks so much, Kyle. Thank you for coming on. It's been really fun. Thank you. Wouldn't it be great if our children never had to go through the pain and challenges that we faced in our own relationships with alcohol? That's my greatest wish for my own kids, and it's why I created the most important course that I've ever offered, How to Talk to Your Kids About Alcohol. Now even if you've struggled with alcohol and you're not sure what to talk to your kids about it. Or if you want to create a relationship with your children that's based on mutual respect, mutual trust, and open communication. If you know that this conversation might be one of the most important you'll have with your kids and it just can't wait any longer, then this course is for you. It includes lifetime access to six video modules, a bonus recorded Q&A session where I answer questions from parents live just like you, an interactive workbook, and our private and exclusive How to Talk to Your Kids About Alcohol online community where you can connect with others who are also navigating this important conversation visit talktoyourkidsaboutalcohol.com to learn more and enroll today and as always rate review and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today